There's even books written by relationship experts who say love is not a feeling. They say love is a behavior. And I go, what are you, you've never felt love. I mean, these days, <laughs> love is a feeling and to sustain that feeling and they'll minimize, oh yeah, you fall in love, that's all an illusion. No, that's your heart opening. The problem is, is your heart opens when you don't know somebody. Real love is when you know them as an imperfect person, as a flawed person, and you still love them. That's what we're here to do. But you got to start with what is love. It's a feeling of your heart opening, and you have to learn how to feel it. And these guys that write these books, I just got to go, they've never felt love. You know, they feel maybe you get some tingling in the beginning and it goes away. And then they think love is just being nice to somebody, caring for your family, taking care of them, doing the right thing and everything. That's not what love is. Love is a feeling which then generates higher consciousness, which then gives you the ability to know what's right and what's wrong from within yourself rather than having to read it in a book. And depending on some, you know, dogma, to tell you what's right. We have the ability to morally know within ourselves what's right if we feel love. So the key is if you feel love, then you ask yourself, okay, what's right or wrong at that point? Because there is such a thing as right or wrong, but we have to leave this whole world of punishment. It's so funny, you know, I was, uh, this weekend I was spending time with a, a friend of mine my wife doesn't like. <laughs> she was she was upset I was going to spend time with him, but it was, it was paradoxical, she was off you know, she was going to go off for a weekend with the women. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go hang out with one of my friends in LA. And she was like, I'm upset about it. And I just said, I know you don't like him. I know. Tell me more. A few, little bit of conversation. I hear you. She went to bed angry. Next day, she's happy again. She has learned. What I know is most women have a tendency to punish in some way by withholding their love. People do that on this planet, which is the control by, I'll give you love if you're good and I'll take it away if you're bad as opposed to bad people need more support, but not permission to be bad. So, you know, it's punishment. So she has those monkey brain reactions, but I know she cannot stay in a monkey brain reaction if I don't react from my monkey brain. So I just know there's no way she can stay mad at me if I don't resist her. And I'll give you one little metaphor that might help some men with this. I mean, you gotta get these sort of helpful hints how to do this. I remember when I was 20, 20, uh, I was 30, I'm 65 now, it's 35 years ago, and I was on this island with a date, and I watched some guy, he was a married guy, and his wife did something that would have annoyed me completely, and I watched how he completely dodged it, and he just said, okay, well, let's do this, and I went, how did you do that, you know, it's like, we need role models, it's like kung fu relationship skills, how do you do it and not get bruised, but anyway, so... When, when, when the way I learned, I remember around right about 15 years ago, I, I saw our little doggy that my wife loves, love, love, loves, okay, just cuddles the dog, and whatever, and the dog wasn't trained yet, and the dog was pooping in the living room, and, you know, <laughs> she's cleaning it up, and she looks at that dog, she goes, bad dog, bad dog, go to the closet, go to the closet, and she's like, bad dog, and I like watched her completely withhold her love from that dog. And then about 15 minutes later, okay, you can come out of the closet now. She's loving the dog. <laughs> and I realized if I'm bad dog, she'll love me as long as I don't resist. The dog just goes into the closet. So the key with the whole thing of relationships, I use that as a metaphor, is what you resist, okay? If she's pushing against me and I push back, you're just stuck in resistance. It would just stay there. And that's what couples do. Somebody's got to figure out how to let it go. You know, how to, and that's what forgiveness is. It's just, but it is a lot more than just saying forgiveness. This is an art and it's understanding. And what gives me the confidence to let it go is I understand women. Women are embodiments of love. If I can get her estrogen up, 
which is makes her feel safe and be attentive in certain ways, her estrogen will go up. At that point, when estrogen goes up, the fight or flight hormone goes down. That's cortisol goes down. And when cortisol goes down, then blood flow shifts to the front part of her brain and she loves me there. That's the part of her that just thinks I'm the greatest. She's devoted to me. She's my, <laughs> she's my sub <laughs> for those people. She's so open to me. She just, she says, I stand by you. You're the greatest. You know, if you only knew how much I love you when she's here, but when she's here, it's a different person. And back here is a totally different person. We all have these three parts. So we have to basically get, you know, women are embodiments of love. They're so amazing when their estrogen levels are up. And when they go down, they're stuck in this critical, judgmental, reactive, punishing, teach you a lesson. Everybody's got it. So why, why hold them in that place? And so I have to get out of that place to allow her to find her way back. I'm not responsible for her. She's responsible for herself, but I can help her. If I resist her, then I'm making it worse. And, and you know, in the, in the book, I map out a woman's menstrual cycle. And literally, the 12 days after her ovulation is the time where really you can't make a woman happy. She has to make herself happy, but you have to provide a safety net and the context for her to find that happiness on her own through you or through her friends or through her work. It's in the five days of ovulation, that's five days after her period is over, it begins. That's the time when her estrogen levels double. That's when you as a man can have the biggest impact. That's the time when you're gonna have the best sex ever. That's the time where you need to provide a romantic date. That's the time if she's not getting enough attention and affection and empathy in the relationship, which are estrogen stimulators, that's the time where she'll feel extremely unhappy with you. That's why, man, you can on one day, five on the sixth day after a period, on the fifth day, she seems fine, everything's good. On the sixth day, you do some little thing and she's like blows up and you go, how could that have just happened? How could she change so quickly? Yesterday, I was the great guy. Today, I'm this awful person because her hormones shifted. Suddenly, she's aware. She wasn't aware that her bank account was empty. Now she's aware. What? My statement, I'm empty. What is this? So you want to plan for those five days to make sure you've been, you have a date plan. So she's anticipating. Anticipating is actually a bigger estrogen producer than even doing the act itself, doing really? something for her. If she anticipates getting that support. And that's the good. And just for us as men, you know, if I anticipate, you know, going somewhere where they're going to pay me a lot of money, boom, my testosterone levels are up as long as I feel confident. That's the key for men is to know what to do so you will be successful and have a context. Now that spiritual context is knowing that even to be successful in life, you have to fail many times. You know, it's like the, the people who get in life, ahead in life are the ones who take the risk and you get knocked down, you make mistakes, but you pull yourself back up and that gives you permission then to forgive yourself for your mistakes and keep moving forward. But you have to have a bigger context to understand that all success is many, many failures along the way that taught you the lessons to get there. So you don't beat yourself up and buy into all this negative thinking that's in the collective consciousness that you know people are unworthy and people don't deserve and people can't achieve. We all are born with a potential to fulfill our dreams. Now, sometimes people don't know what their dreams are. You know, They watch TV and they think, I wanna be like that person, that person, but that may not be what they're to be. But the universe supports us and achieving who we are as we find out who we are.
But in the process of finding out who we are, it seems like the universe doesn't support us, you know, the experiences that we have. Because for me, it's like a, it's like the gold, uh, the yellow brick road, you know, it's just like gold all along the way. And yet, but people see all my achievements and accomplishments. My friends say, oh my God, you're so lucky. My wife says I'm the luckiest person in the world. <laughs> but, but if you look at my life, there's, I got knocked down here. I got knocked down here. I got knocked down there. Like right now, you know, I, I fired my caretakers. I didn't fire them. They quit actually. And now they're suing me for a million dollars of overtime. When I only was there six times a year. I mean, when you're when you're well known, people sue you. You know, if you're a big target, it's like with Men Are From Mars. So many people love my book, and many people say negative things about me. These trolls, they say bad stuff. It comes with a it comes with the territory. That if you think big, you're going to have more obstacles in your life, but you'll have what it takes to overcome those obstacles. Like going to the gym. If you want big muscles, you got to lift heavy Resistance. weights. Exactly, you got to tear the muscles. Yeah, you got to go through it. You got to go through it. I, lo I love the teaching. Um, you are what you love. What, what what does that phrase "you are what you love" mean to you? Well, when when I was a young man, I was finding myself. Okay, and I didn't know I'd be a relationship expert because really, as a relationship expert, I'm really a teacher of love, and I didn't know that. But I met Maharishi. He was the Beatles had gone to Maharishi, and I met this guy. And I, not in a sexual way, but I fell in love with this guy. He was the greatest guy I'd ever see. I just immediately was inspired by his presence. And that inspiration, I felt so uplifted because he was an external projection in some ways of who I am to become. He was a world teacher. I am a world teacher. I'm over in 100, 100 countries. I'm traveling around the world. I, mean, I have a message to share. He had a message to share. So there was a part of him that was not yet developed inside of me, but it was there. So part of me saw that and was drawn to that, wanted to become one with that because becoming one with that was awakening it within myself. And it took about nine years of being his student, his assistant, he lived with him, I mean, traveled with him, where and my heart was just totally devoted to this guy and what he was devoted to as well. And then all that went away in a very peaceful way. It was like it came out of me. And that's when a whole different teaching came out of me because it was ironic. What he said as a teacher is that when people would come to him with questions about life and so forth, he would answer them all unless it had to do with relationships because he was a monk. And he said, when it comes to relationships, that's not my expertise. And that became my expertise. Pick I mean, me, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing twist in life, how it all happens. You know, it's a, it's a journey, but the key is to open the heart and then follow the heart. And don't follow your, your inner decisions if you're coming from a place of hate, jealousy, anger, hurt, betrayal. All that stuff is a sign that you're out of balance. So feel that and learn to let it go. And then ask yourself, what should I do about this? What's the best thing? And then you are the guide in your life. But it takes time to find that and to trust that part of you inside yourself. And that's our journey in life. I love that. And one, well, I've got a couple of speed round questions, but maybe one more just normal one beforehand. It's kind of related a little bit to what we were talking about earlier. When a man is talking, listen to his actions. You know, a woman should interpret a man's love by what he does. Okay. That's really key because women always go, how do I know if he loves me? Look at what he does. And uh, there's, there's also something which is really cute, which is a song from a long time ago, which is it's in the kiss. Uh, there is something which is if you just hold off for a little while before you have sex and get close, just enough to do some things for her where she feels safe, then you kiss. 
and then you let it be let there be space and the kiss will linger okay if it's the right person there's like this you know what men don't understand is they want to rush the whole thing but if you kiss a woman and then back off it gives her a chance to feel to reflect on how she felt about the kiss and what women are all about fantasy they'll be thinking and that give them some time to digest the kiss and then spend some time and don't do too much but just give them some time to take it in go further and further and further but if you rush it all then both people sort of pull back from it it's too much so it's it's in the kiss as far as if how to know if a woman loves you is as she opens up to you and appreciates what you do okay so there's the when when a woman is appreciating you directly oh you are so wonderful you often that comes from a place of insecurity she's trying to win your love and that may not be so lasting and again i say may uh but because you know an insecure woman can also find love eventually by becoming secure and appreciating what you do for her that's the woman who feels that you're winning her love that you didn't get it free you should never get the love free it's it's like a boy grows up and you get all your bills paid free you become weak you have to earn it that's how men bond is by doing things and being successful but how can i say i'm successful you know you, you hear people who are rich and famous and you kind of go yeah but their parents were billionaires yeah so so what but you know for me i was homeless you know i've created my success and people go you were homeless i go yeah i did this all on my own no help and they go, wow, okay, because I earned it. And, you know, it, it, that's just a simple example. But they, but they see, for a man, self-esteem, confidence, well-being comes from testosterone. And testosterone is only produced when you earn something, when you do something, when you exert yourself, when you overcome something, that's testosterone. You know, you lift a heavy weight, more testosterone gets produced. You get a lightweight, sit at your desk all the time, do nothing. You, you, don't, you, don't, uh, you don't build the testosterone. So, so with women, they need to learn, make sure he does more for you than you do for him. Your key for a man is that how you respond to a man is what builds his attraction to you, which is, oh, you delight in what I do for you. So just a simple, simple thing is if he makes you dinner, you say, wow, this is the best chicken I've ever had. <laughs> a man will go, man go, I killed the chicken. I, I cooked the chicken. I provided the chicken. If he takes you to the, you know, I took my wife to Hamilton. Great play. Wow. And, and you know, we had great seats and everything. And and uh, uh, it was fabulous. So I feel the whole time I'm on a high because the show's great. But also my wife's there. And when she's happy, I'm feeling like, yeah, I wrote this play. I directed this play because <laughs> I got the tickets for this play. You know, and, you know, men. I wrote, directed, choreographed. I mean, it's my play. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What does a fulfilled life mean to you? I think, you know, a, a fulfilled life is when I'm in the terms that I've just experienced, expressed. A fulfilled life is when I'm both expressing the part of me which wants to make a difference and the part of me that wants to enjoy life and has what I need to be fulfilled, to, to receive. So fulfillment for me is primarily I make a difference and then I have comfort in my life. And, you know, everybody's a little different, but for me, I do like luxury a bit, you know. <laughs> I sit in first class in the airplane that I love it, you know, although I rarely eat their food, but I like the space. I like the comfort. You know, that's the the it's fulfillment that I can receive back what I've given to the world because I do work hard. I travel and I write and you know, I've written 26 books. It, you know, writing a book is a it, it's a it's fulfilling because I know I'm going to make a difference. And that's the key to it. And things are sometimes difficult, but I love it. 
you know, my daughter was uh, one of my daughters, Lauren. She also has a website at my website and does things for younger generation. And she was with her with her partner. And, and I was there and she was doing a lot of gardening and she was complaining, you know, oh, my gosh, I have four hours to get those weeds out. And there was this and there's this and this long complaining. And she says, I know it sounds like I'm not happy. I'm just letting it go. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. You know, so she has the awareness to, to know that if I'm complaining to also let men know I'm just letting it go. You know, I'm just telling you what I went through. But I'm so happy to have the garden that I can that I can weed. You know, it's just you've got to balance the negative with the positive and then we're being fulfilled. We got all the whole package. I'm making a difference. I'm giving to the world and I'm getting back. What is one thing our listeners can start doing today that will have a positive impact on their lives? Well, OK, so in the context of what I've just said, uh, being the relationship expert uh, on uh, gender, uh, what I would suggest for men is the big tip of today is to recognize that one of the greatest gifts you can give to a woman is to create a sense of safety, emotional safety, that when she expresses herself, it's not going to cause you to become angry with her. Uh, when you're angry, stop talking. If you're a man, if you're angry, stop talking and just say, OK, I hear you. I need to think about this. You can have code phrases. But if you haven't read my book, you might just say, OK, what you're saying is really important, but it's a lot. So I need to take some quiet time and think about it. And then we then I'll be back. OK, so. You stop arguing. You, you, if you're angry, don't speak, but go do something that makes you feel good. Don't do anything to try to change who you're angry with at that moment. Now, for women, if you're in a situation where you're feeling stressed and angry at somebody, don't talk to them. <laughs> Find somebody else that you're not angry with or you're not complaining about and talk to that person and try to focus on sharing emotion. Don't just talk about what happened. That's the superficial Talk about what happened and then how it felt. And when you talk about how it felt, try to acknowledge an emotion. That's when you're getting into the body. That's where the stress is released, is to acknowledge the emotion of frustration or disappointment. I was disappointed when that happened and feel the disappointment. It's when you can feel the emotions, that's when you can release them. They're letting go if you can share an emotion, but the person has to understand what the emotion's about. So you talk a little bit what happened, I feel so frustrated. You know, I could I could be on my female side right now and, and say, you know, I just was in this cart accident. Uh, you know, it's frustrating. I can't tie my shoe with my left hand. My fingers won't move. You know, I've got this swelling. I had pain. Uh, I'm disappointed that, you know, I went down there for a great weekend vacation and we ended up, you know, being in a car accident. Um, this is very superficial. I could go into deeper disappointments, but just talking about that one thing, you know, and I'm concerned. Maybe I do need to see a doctor. Everybody says you should see a doctor. And I go, you know, I'm a healer. I'm an energy healer. I'm healing it myself, but I'll keep watching it. It's getting better every day. So there's a concern that I have. I'm not really afraid, but if I was afraid, I'd probably go to a doctor because fear is the monkey brain. Concern is the front part of the brain. And right now I'm only feeling concerned. But if I was afraid, I'd go to somebody who knows more than me, but I'm pretty good at knowing the body and so forth. It's, then, it's interesting you're talking about um i was speaking a couple of months back to um i think I, I, you definitely know them um harville um and helen harville hendrix and helen yeah, yeah, harville. Yeah, and yeah. when you just talked to them about safety that was a theme or that was an idea that came up in our conversation and i guess i mean i i knew apart me maybe like i've knew about kind of it was important but hearing you speak about it hearing them speak about it has really hammered that home actually how important creating that 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 vessel creating that safety is um so that's just been another learning again for myself so yeah I mean, yeah and, and, 
And to put it in the context of gender differences, which sometimes Harville does, sometimes he doesn't, but for a man to know, it's 10 times more important for a woman to feel safe than for a man, okay? Because see, we actually cope with, we, we actually in danger can lower our stress. Like if, I, if I'm a little stressed, I can just drive my car a little faster and it will go away. But for my wife, it will increase, okay? Because see, danger increases testosterone. So for a woman, testosterone doesn't lower her stress. Estrogen does. Safety increases estrogen. At the same time, having said that, let me not come back and say, but as a man, I'm not just a testosterone being. I'm also an estrogen being. But I don't complain to my wife she's not making it safe for me. That would be me going to my female side. That's for the woman. That's her priority. See, there's always a little bit of a priority of... Who opens the door for who? We have to understand who creates allowance for that person in a certain way or a certain thing. There are differences where some people have greater needs. Women have a greater need for safety and to be heard. When I'm whining and complaining, oh, I don't feel heard either, which is what men will do. When a woman says, almost every man says, well, you're not listening to me. What's his comeback? You're not listening to me. (laughs) It's like once you understand gender differences, you see why everything is spiraling out of control. That's her right. That's her need. Her female side needs to be heard. Our female side needs to be heard. But where do we get our balance? From our male side. So what we need is to be appreciated. And so if if my wife is not appreciating me, then I will go somewhere else to be appreciated. Not to another woman in in sex, but, but, you know, I'll go to my teach my class or I'll do something else where I get my appreciation. I'm autonomous. I'm independent. If my wife's not giving me what I need, I go and get it. That's the male energy. But the, that's for a woman, she's the female energy. She needs to depend on me for that and she'll get the highest estrogen. So there's a real understanding of masculine qualities and feminine qualities and what is most priority for us to find well-being, the space I need to create for her, the space she creates for me. And you know, the problem is if women buy that thing, oh, I need to make it safe for my husband, tell me more, tell me whatever you think, Tell me whatever you're feeling. I shouldn't have any reaction to that. She'll just beat herself up trying to make it safe for the man. And then she starts to feel that she's his mother and she loses all attraction for him. So I'll give you the fun example of this, of safety. This is when back in the early days when the feminists were trying to crucify me for talking about gender differences. When I, I all I care about is women's happiness, you know, <laughs> so but I, I gave this example because it had just happened. My wife and I, in the first you know, first six years of our marriage or something, around that time, we're going on a romantic getaway from, from uh, California to Oregon. And it was, we thought we'd get there around sunset. We got there about 11 o'clock at night. We stopped at a restaurant for having dinner. And I was reading the paper and it had pictures of stalking bears. Okay, we had rented a cabin in the woods. And now we're reading a magazine that says stalking bears. And it said the name of the park where we were going. <laughs> And it was this huge, big, scary thing, stalking bears. And we get there and there's no lights, you know. (laughs) We hardly can find this place. We're out in the woods. And then we're running from the car to the cabin. Who knows? There could be stalking bears. And so we're unpacking in the house. And then we hear this noise outside. And both of us, you know, ah, you know, stalking bears. So we're feeling like real fear. I mean, real. And we're not just afraid. We're scared, you know. So then I said, okay. You sit by the phone, honey, and call 911. If anything happens, you, you've got 911. I'm just going to go out and just see 
what this is. I'll run back real fast. So I'm going to go out into the danger outside. And I went out and there was, I, I, then, then I heard this noise and I really was shocked. And it was a raccoon. So the raccoon ran away, but we, she heard the noise. She heard me go, ah. <laughs> and so now she's even more afraid because women will always experience huge surges of estrogen beyond what a man can have, at least a young man. And so then I came back in the house. I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's just a raccoon. And she goes, wow, that was so scary. And she's like kind of breathing much too deeper. And she says to me, she says, wow, that was really scary. I go, yeah. And she says, will you hold me? And I, I said, oh, yeah, I'll hold you. <laughs> and now I'm holding her. And she feels protected and safe. And, and everybody knows how was sex that night? The best <laughs> in the world. Now let's turn it around. Let's imagine we hear the noise outside and I say, honey, I'm going to sit by the phone <laughs> and you go out and check. And she goes and here's the raccoon. And then she comes back in and she says, it's okay, honey. And I said, but I'm still scared. Can you hold me? Now what's going to happen? Every woman knows nothing is going to happen. There's going to be no sexual chemistry at all. She's mommy taking care of baby. Now the next step is now let's bring it into the future where, where my wife says even the worst thing is let's hear the bear. And we hear that we're both scared. She says, okay. She says to me, John, sit by the phone. I'm going to go check it out. And that's the feminist. She's taking charge. She's doing it all herself. And so I'm protecting you. And then she comes back in the room. What's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. That's the worst. And that's the woman taking charge to protect the man. So one is the man using the woman to protect him. But now the woman's emasculating him. Because that man, he's just a nice husband. Okay, honey, I'll do what you say. You want me to sit by the phone? If that's what you want me to do, I'll do that for you. And that's what's happening today. Now, the flip side of this is some men can hear that and go, okay, I'm supposed to be this dominant, male, decisive guy. No, no, no. You know, calm it down. That's just an example to show how the hormones work. The best relationship is making decisions together. But the reality there that that story tells is safety is way more important to women than it is to men. And it's our job to create the safety. It's her job to let us do it. And that's a dance that we have to learn how to do. John, how can people find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? What website? What resource? Well, come to MarsVenus.com. Don't just listen to me. Also listen to my daughter, Lauren. She's there. Uh, she's this young, attractive woman, and people think it's my younger wife. <laughs> we're we're re, we're doing the website says father daughter, <laughs> but uh, anyway, her, her she does weekly blogs, and they're really video blogs and blogs. They're really good. I have some on there a lot. I have a lot more on health and wellness. You know, like uh, pills that will help increase testosterone. Don't take testosterone, but learn how to make it. Uh, things to help women balance their hormones. Herbs from China that will increase their estrogen. You know, all these things are helpful because we're in a world where everything's going out of balance on a nutritional level as well. So I've got a lot on that at the website, but it's MarsVenus.com or you can Google my name, John Gray. Uh, I've been talking mostly the information today was from my new book, uh, Beyond Mars and Venus. So that's at, you know, Amazon or bookstores. It's pretty popular right now, Beyond Mars and Venus. But if you haven't read Men Are From Mars, that's the classic. It's the foundation of how we're different. And beyond Mars and Venus is how we can help each other come back to being different instead of this neutral, I don't know what I am kind of a thing. John, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for telling those <laughs> stories. And just, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. I really appreciate it.
Oh, you're very welcome. What a pleasure to talk with you. Have a great day. <laughs>